Hare Krishna. Yes, uh, um, you are here. I, we did not expect that so many of you would be able to make it because a large part of our participants uh, left after the evening program yesterday evening. Uh, but uh, we really feel that this session uh, is can be very powerful and inspiring. Uh, we will uh, first answer the questions which you have posed and uh, put into the clay pots and afterwards each one of us uh, will uh, try to summarize or try to extract a takeaway take from uh, our respective presentations. So we need really, uh, I think, uh, Smita Krishna, you are well experienced from last time. Mm, we will, uh, uh, he will bring us the pots. Maybe you go pot A and then pot B, or, or, or Govinda Vallabha, you are for this pot? Good. Mm, the pot terke, the question answer terke, terke, terke. Caretaker, oh my God. I'm sorry, I'm a little exhausted, so I shouldn't speak, really. So yes, let us start immediately. I think we can give the first question to our Giriach Maharaj, because he's our dear uh, and, and very inspiring guest um, and participant. And we wanted to also uh, give all of you the chance to hear from him directly. So please give him the question. Maharaj, you can use your intuitive mystic powers to stir in the questions and then find the... <laughs> we are often told that rendering service to Krishna and his devotees is the secret for attaining prema. However... I feel the connotation of this statement is that any service, namely management, pot washing, running a gift shop, etc., can ultimately award us prema. Simultaneously, I wonder how prema can be attained in this way, as there is no direct connection to Krishna. One, can prema be attained simply by performing these types of services? Two, can prema be attained by emphasizing direct processes such as hearing and chanting at the cost of indirect services such as management and cleaning. I think of a statement of Srila Prabhupada's that I heard soon after I joined the Krishna Consciousness Movement, which was, 
that to develop the love of the gopis for Krishna, one should spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. And I considered what is the connection between the two. And one connection is that the gopis were ready to do anything to please Krishna. And Krishna is pleased when we spread Krishna consciousness, when we bring others to him. At the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that, you know, those who uh, present the message of the Bhagavad Gita are most dear to him and there will never be anyone more dear and uh, he will attain uh, devotional service in Krishna. Uh, but at the same time, we, we have to balance hearing and chanting about Krishna with our practical service. And, um, yeah, we have to do both. On one morning walk in Juhu, um, Lokanath Swami asked Srila Prabhupada that why have you prescribed 16 rounds? And Srila Prabhupada answered, I have not prescribed 16 rounds. Minimum 16 rounds. Then Lokanath Swami said, but there are some devotees who have set other minimums for themselves. And Srila Prabhupada said, that's, that's all right. You can increase the minimum number, but not decrease it. Then Lokanath Swami said, well, how can we know if we're imitating Haridas Thakur? And Srila Prabhupada replied, well, imitating Haridas Thakur by chanting more rounds is, is not bad. It's good. But then, Brahmananda Prabhu said, but what if there's other service to do? And Srila Prabhupada said, oh, if the devotee refuses to do service, oh, I can't do this service because I'm busy imitating Haridas Thakur. That is very bad. So, yeah, we want to do both and pray. Of course, all of our efforts... Uh, require mercy for success and uh, go forward on the path back home, back to Godhead. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We hear in the Bhagavatam 
that Krishna takes things away from his dearest devotees. I find it hard to perceive Krishna's shelter when I'm going through so much suffering from Krishna taking those things or those people I am so attached to away from me. How can I build faith that Krishna is really protecting me? How to approach the level of faith that the kings captured by Jarasandha had? My first thought is that Krishna takes things away from his dearest devotees. So uh, are we thinking of ourselves as his dearest devotees uh, and therefore he himself personally is taking things away from me? Or am I thinking of myself as not a very good devotee and due to my past activities and functions and things I've desired or not desired, not only in this life but in lives before, am I actually reaping the results of what I wanted but I didn't understand what would be the consequence of what I wanted. And if I'm going through so much suffering because of the things that I have done in the past or wanted in the past, then should I be turning it around the other way and not saying that Krishna is taking from me because I'm dear to him, but Krishna is protecting me, it could be a lot worse than what I'm experiencing. I could be suffering far more physical pain. I could be born in a country where spiritual life is absolutely prohibited. I could be attacked by violent wild animals, mad dogs and so on. And instead, this is the suffering that I'm undergoing as a result of what I've done. There's a vast difference between Krishna taking it away and me having gotten myself into this situation. So how can I build faith that Krishna is protecting me? Well, Srila Prabhupada actually does speak about the difference between a, the way an, a, a materialistic person thinks and the way a devotee thinks. And the materialistic person thinks, I didn't do anything at ever any stage to deserve this. So God is very unkind. And we need to train ourselves from examination, more, more self-awareness that, yes, it's true, that um, I'm a little foolish and I've come to Krishna and so I have to try to see in the small things of life how he's protecting me and thereby in this suffering which is enormous for me he must be protecting me much, much more than I can understand. And how to approach the level of faith that the kings captured by Jarasandha had? Well, Krishna more or less, in 
tells you that you've put me in this situation somehow or another by some mixture of my karma or, or, your, or your mercy. And how could I please you in this situation? This is a meditation that will bring us very close to Krishna and then we will find that we can't do this very often. And, and then we have to taste the, taste the ashes of being separate from Krishna consciousness. And, and sometimes I think you, you stand in front of the deities or you stand, you sit in, in front of Kiraj and then we go away. You leave about your daily life, not in front of the deities, or you, or you leave Kiraj um, and go to your home or, or whatever. And then you come back to be in front of the deities or in front of Kiraj. And then you compare the two consciousnesses to be in the presence of Krishna in a mood of, of service, of longing for service, a longing to have some attachment for Krishna, to be in front of Kiraj and tasting the sweetness, to be in front of Krishna Balaram and the Shamas and the Bonatai, and tasting that. And then we go out from that very sweet bubble of existence. And then we come back in, and then we go out. And then at some point, we begin to notice the contrast between Krishna consciousness and being absorbed in thoughts of Krishna and my usual consciousness of self-absorbed absorbed misery, <laughs> self-absorbed misery, yes. And then at some point, we're going to say, I've had enough of self-absorbed, false ego-driven misery. No more. I'm just going to stay in the in the in front of Krishna and my consciousness in front of Kiraj. I'm going to keep them forever and always in my consciousness. I've had enough of material life. I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. And then when we're in that mood, then Krishna may disappear from our consciousness. And then we will be in the mood of separation from Krishna. But because we have some attachment and love for Krishna, that separation will be a channel by which we can experience him. So there is no question of material misery or material intensity at such a time. That's the best I can do with such an interesting question. I know a yoga teacher who's more into prana, breath, than nama, the holy names. At the time of death, it seems that nama will save us. Can you comment? One of my most vivid memories in my life was when I acted as the god of Shiva Prabhupada. Prabhupada had visited us in our ancient castle uh, in the center of Germany and we had a room uh, and the door went uh, to out into what you could call a high veranda, almost a balcony from where you can see the, the hall. So 
then again and again and again so i i i could i jotted down krishna tvadiya pada pankaja and found later the translation of the song which prabhupad had sung multiple times and it says my dear lord krishna please allow me that the swan of my mind now finds shelter in the network of your lotus feet, just like a swan who's on the lake and who sticks his um, head in the water and then uh, goes for the roots of, of the uh, lotus flowers. And, and then the, the song continues. At the time of death, when my prana is disturbed and all over the place and when my throat is uh, blocked by mucus it happens also on Govardhan retreat there's some slight coughing going on and my vata is in disarray and my pitta mm, is also highly disturbed at the time of death how can I think of you so yes uh, you can try to do so much good breath control, uh, but uh, at the time of death, your prana will go uh, haywire, like a stallion that rears up a horse that uh, go, goes up. And um, prana control or cannot, cannot help you. But we might put a glance on our breath. If you study the example of the Raja Hangsa, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a big type of swan, not your ordinary swan. In order to get to its preferred 
uh, place, the Manasa Sarova, that's the highest sweet water lake of the world, mm, it has to fly over the Himalayan mountain range. range. Uh, and uh, when it comes uh, very high and goes, uh, you know, and, and tries to now fly over the mountains, it has to encounter storms. Storms uh, that throw it back so that it cannot really uh, go to uh, the, uh, how do you say, to the Manasa Sarova. It may have to wait for the next day and then again bravely and fiercely fly up and then just weather this, the high, high altitude winds there which can easily uh, come into a storm and it has to go through it in order to come to the peaceful Manasarova Lake. So this analogy can show us a little that as we try to perfect our chanting, we will also have to deal with obstacles. Uh, generally, we do not like to look into the machinery of the material energy too much, but one of the uh, uh, obstacles is, is definitely disturbed prana. And uh, as you find, uh, as you go o get old, the prana is related with your vata, and uh, you will find out that you're, you're easily irritable. Uh, you will find out that you cannot hold your concentration as long. You find out that your circulation goes down and digestion goes down. All these are symptoms of a disturbed prana or life force. So when we are wanting to perfect our chanting in this lifetime, we will give a second thought to the obstacles which we have to overcome. We usually say, well, you have to control your mind, Prabhu. But why is the mind so uncontrolled? It is because of disturbed life force also. So, uh, again... Not everyone likes to go into details. We want to have a, it's a very simple so that we don't have to think so much about all these par paradigms. Let me say as much here. If you want to become deeply absorbed in the chanting of the holy name, you need to study this directly, what helps you to do this, and you may need to study it also indirectly. What is an obstacle that keeps you from being totally fixed uh, like a flame in a windstill uh, place? That's how the mind of the sadaka should ideally be, be a flame uh, in a windstill protected place that is not disturbed by whatever happens outside. Uh, the easiest way to have an undisturbed mind that focuses on the holy name is to chant with devotion, with love for Krishna. Um, now to get this, every one of us should see, uh, how can I minimize disturbances? Look at your morning. Uh, how uh, 
energetic you are, are there is maybe you should go earlier to bed to be not so tired you know this is how a sadhaka thinks oh I'm sleeping doing my japa maybe I should go earlier to bed or a sadhaka might, might think uh, find out oh in my chanting I lack devotion I, I'm so empty minded and empty hearted then the sadhaka will think maybe I should read a prayer before I start to chant and meditate on the shikshasta come prayers deeply and so on my dear devotees yes the yoga teacher who is into prana and not into nama is uh, not having something that will save him and give him love of godhead uh, but uh, th that is clear we should not go this path but what we can go our path which we can go is we could see uh, how, what we can adopt that is favorable for our bhajan, for the development of absorption and concentration. Hare Krishna. So I think it is time for our pot uh, to go to Giriraj Maharaj. Sri Krishna declares in the Gita that remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness come from him. Therefore, what independent power do we have to remember him? Is it that by giving our attention to him, he evokes his remembrance as when he decide, as in when he decides to? Well, yes, uh, uh, what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita is uh, from him come uh, remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. But that comes in relation to our desires. If we want to remember him, he'll help us remember him. If we want to forget him, he'll help us forget him. And so uh, if our desire is to remember him, which it is, uh, always remember Krishna and never forget him, the basic principle, then he, he will help us. And... Yeah, as we approach him, he reciprocates. And so if we approach him with the uh, desire to remember him and, and make our own efforts to remember him, he will help us. Um, so therefore, what independent power do we have to remember him? Well, we don't really have any independent power to do anything. We're always dependent on Krishna's mercy. But we can have the desire. We can have the intention. And then he will help us to uh, fulfill that desire and remember him, especially at the time of death, Ante Narayana Smriti. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu. 
the Lord gave his darshan to the captive kings of Jarasandha, even though they were not 100% pure and had material desires and motivations. Based on this and other example, like Dhruva Maharaj, who meditated on the Lord for some material objectives, how do we understand the following point? One has to be completely pure to see the Lord. Bharat Maharaj, at least seemingly, was more advanced on the Bhava stage than the captive kings of Jarasandha. So is the darshan of the Lord independent of the stage? Is bhakti stage? Bhakti one is at is at is it independent of the stage that bhakti of bhakti that one is at? And the Lord can empower a devotee to have his darshan despite a devotee not being at the topmost stage of bhakti. Can you summarize, please, what is the question? Hmm. Okay. The, uh, the Lord gave his darshan to the kings. And there are other examples like Dhruva Maharaj and they had material desires. So does one have to be completely pure before they can see the Lord? And um, does it does bhakti does see, having the darshan of the Lord is it independent of the stage at which a devotee is at, um, even if one is not at the topmost stage of bhakti? Um, I'd like to, Peter. I think you should answer this one because it comes into the connection of your lila that you were reading. But it's, it does. Okay, so I'll try. No, I'll hold it to get the power of the question. <laughs> Krishna can do whatever he likes. When Krishna was on, advented himself in this world, um, so many people had his darshan, including Kamsa. Um, but according to the consciousness that one is in, when one sees Krishna, uh, one will have a, a, a different one realization or another realization. So ultimately, of course, Krishna is going to, he's going to come to whoever he wants to come to, but it, is, it was easier at the time when Krishna was present because he was present among so many people who didn't even recognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead because they weren't devotees. Um, similarly, in Kali Yuga, Krishna comes as his holy name. He's always in his holy name, but in Kali Yuga, he's made himself especially available through his holy name. And is that holy name available to everyone regardless of their purity? Yes. But on the other side, the realization of someone who is pure, and not only pure, which means free from impurities, but who has great loving attachment for Krishna. When 
that person chants the holy name, his experience will be an actual experience of Krishna. But then again, no one can fully experience Krishna because Krishna is unlimited. We just get the portion of of his, of his whole personality and self that he wants to reveal to us. Dhruva Maharaj is another example. He didn't see Krishna um, until Krishna um, revealed himself um, to him. And that was when he was purified of all those material desires. And then by seeing Krishna, he really had no material desires and his his desire was only to see more and more and more of Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he would read the pastime of Dhruva again and again and again and again and again and he would cry as he's reading it. Why? Um, are we supposed to get take the lesson from that pastime that we should have material desires and therefore um, we should desire in a big way to be have a a kingdom greater than Lord Brahma's even, is is and and therefore go to Krishna with our material desires. Is that the lesson we're supposed to learn from that pastime? Is the lesson um, that we're supposed to learn from um, Zarasandha um, cap- capturing those kings that it is good to be in prison. Um, because they're in prison as Haridas Thakur blessed the prisoners, then we won't be able to engage in sense gratification and we will be penitent and, and think of the purpose of life. Um, the lesson with Dhruva Maharaj that Mahaprabhu was, was crying about as tears coming from his eyes was he was just looking at the determination of Dhruva that even though he had material desires, even though he had material desires, the power of his devotional determination purified his heart so completely. The lesson from the kings is that even a difficult circumstance or one of the lessons from the kings can, can award us the greatest blessing of, of Krishna consciousness and the blessing of Krishna being present in his holy names is that at any time, at any place, in any circumstance, that we can find Krishna if our consciousness is determined and focused on finding Krishna. Um, What was the question again? Oh, yeah, I took it. Anyway, I got so much empowerment that I'm not sure I answered it. But in any case, um, yes, it's better to be pure. We should take the lesson, um, the lessons that we are given um, from all the different examples and develop on Yabilasi to Sunyam and chant in that mood and chant in a humble mood and beg Krishna for mercy. And thereby, Krishna, if he so desires, will reveal himself to us. Because our time is already uh, coming up. Hare Krishna, could you please explain the concept of serving Krishna 
with an internally conceived spiritual body? Is this something we can practice at this level of our spiritual journey? Thank you. So here's a question that, of course, obviously uh, Sachinanan Maharaj would answer on a different level entirely. But perhaps uh, depending on what level this question's asked from, um, I can suggest something that an internally conceived spiritual body for me on my level means that when I read about Krishna, I read about his leelas, I read about his interactions with his mother and his father and so on, or I read about him playing with the cowherd boys, laughing joking, drinking the water of the Jamuna in his cupped hands and imitating frogs and peacocks and so on. Or I read about Krishna when he is meeting with Radha and Lalita is there and she's saying, don't look at him. And, uh, and Vishakar is offering a, some consolation to Krishna because Radha is upset uh, I read these different leelas and gradually, gradually I find perhaps that one becomes more my favorite. I, I have a friend who lives in uh, Perth and she has a very troubled mind, exceedingly troubled mind. And so she carries with her in the olden days a cassette recorder and she continuously and continuously plays recordings of Krishna, Krishna's Krishna book Leela so that it blocks out the turmoil in her head. So she told me one time, she said, I've gone through all the baby Krishna. I've gone through the Mother Yasoda and baby Krishna. And now I feel like I want to hear more about Krishna and the gopis. So there she is listening to Krishna Leela with a materially troubled mind and intaking all of these, this information, these leelas over and over again because she forgets them. And yet she's starting to move forward with her choice from just being so disturbed she can't hear about uh, amorous pastimes because they return to her so many memories of things that she had done uh, before she met uh, Shiva Prabhupada. So she can't go there, so she goes to the baby, the baby Krishna. He's so simple and pure. Uh, but now as she's becoming more purified, she's moving forward in her intake and her capacity to hear. So in, a, in an internally conceived body, for somebody who's in the beginning, beginning stages, you can say, it would be so nice to be there. If I was there... You know, I would really love to imitate a donkey because I think donkeys look really funny and Krishna would laugh. And, uh, and I would give him a cup full of water from the Jamuna because I would have a clay cup. Or I would do this. And you start imagining things. Their imagination, you know their imagination, he knows their imagination, but it's what you could call directed imagination. And it's directed by the features of the leelas that you're hearing. 
One time I remember a devotee who was not so serious saying, because he loves motorbikes, he was a big man, and he said, um, if Lord, if Krishna came in Kali Yuga, he would definitely have a Harley Davidson. And a Sukhafood. So that's pure imagination. That has nothing. That's fantasizing from what he likes that Krishna would like what he likes. But my other friend, she's not doing that. She's hearing and hearing and hearing. And slowly through the fog and the haze of her stage, she's developing a taste and then thinking, oh, it would be so nice, this. This would be so nice. And then slowly, slowly, slowly conceiving of services she would render if she was there. So this is the difference between uh, mistaken dreaming on our level and guided imagination. Uh, Both of them are only preliminary, but one of them is going to develop into something very wonderful. And the other one is just called kalpana, just making things up. So that's my experience. Thank you very much. Uh, we are painfully aware that there are many more questions in both the left and in the right question and answer claypot. Uh, I can only say that uh, on my part, I will pray that Giriash will answer all your questions. Mm. Sometimes, my dear devotees, the question is even more important than the answer because it brings us to think in a certain direction in which we have not thought before. But um, yes, mm, we always encounter this difficulty that there are many more questions than the time which is allotted. According to our time uh, schedule, there is now interesting section in the session where the teachers will explain what they would like the audience to take away from their respective presentations. I think it is very good for you who were at the presentations to, to be there most probably with a pen and a paper uh, that will also help our teachers to note that they will stay on the subject of the summary of the uh, presentation and what we can take away from there. And then uh, I think we will just conclude with a, a medita- guided meditative kirtan, isn't it? That was what 